What if your whole life hung in the balance with one single piece of information? How well would you listen? The question this morning is, have you developed a heart that slows down long enough to be able to really listen? Gabby's wondering, is there one underneath another chair? There is actually one more. I can't tell you where it's at, though. What if someone whispered the solution to a problem you were facing? They whispered it. Would your ears be attuned? What if our nature and character is being formed one single deposit at a time that is entirely dependent on our willingness and our ability to listen. Our character, our personhood. One single deposit at a time. I really had a completely different message that I was ready to preach, and I really felt like the Lord gave this to me in the past, I would say, week or week and a half. I have been made aware of four Extremely serious circumstances um, in people's lives, things that they're navigating and situations that they're facing. And I've been reminded all over again in these individuals, uh, none of them are connected to this church, by the way, so you don't have to start thinking, I wonder who he's talking about. Before these situations not connected to this church, actually throughout the country, people in different strata and places in life that are in trouble in their lives. And they're in trouble in their lives right now because they don't know how to listen. And it's not that people aren't speaking to them. It's not that valuable voices are not communicating into their lives. It's just simply the fact that they're, they're just not listening. It's amazing to me that your and my potential to be saved, listen up, from an eternal hell, being saved from an eternity burning in hell, is predicated upon our ability to listen. I, read, I want to read a scripture in your hearing here that is familiar to a lot of us, but I want you to notice with me again what it says. Romans 10 and 14, How shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? You can't call on a God that you don't believe in. And how shall they believe in him? How can you believe in him of whom they have not heard? You can't believe in someone you haven't heard about. And notice what it says. How shall they hear... Without a, without a preacher. And furthermore, it says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. In other words, somebody speaks to us, and if our ears are open, we can hear and receive something that has the capacity to not only change our today and tomorrow, but literally to change our entire eternity. All based on my ability my personal ability to be able to listen. If that be true, and it is, if this is true, then I think we all probably ought to ask ourselves the question, then why don't, why don't people hear? If hearing is so important and listening is so important, why, why don't people hear? Maybe you can join the ADD club with me. And, you know, have you been talking with someone, and I, sometimes I struggle with this, and I have to just, like, pull myself, like, like pay attention. Because it's like, squirrel, you know, it's, 
you know, some shiny object catches your attention and you're distracted and, you know, sometimes I feel like I have an attention span of a gnat. So if hearing is so important, why, and listening is so important, why don't people hear? Sometimes people are distracted. Sometimes people don't want to hear. That's just the truth. They don't want to hear. You ever been there? You know what? It's just, I choose. I am not listening to this. I don't want to listen to this. I refuse to hear. Nope. Some people, they hear, but they don't believe what they're hearing. One of these four scenarios that, that I'm, I'm considering right now is, is a guy that is, uh, he's actually a preacher, and he's, he's got some real problems in his life right now, and there are, there are people that are working with him. They, they care about him. They're, work, they're voices in his life. They're voices that are credible voices. They're leaders. They're good men of God. They're pulling him in on meetings, and they're, they're talking with him. They're, they're sharing things with him, but when he shows up in the meeting, he's got his notepad of all of his points on how he's going to educate the people that are talking to him. In other words, everybody else is wrong, but I'm right. Probably, if everybody else is saying one thing, they're probably right. Somebody said amen. In other words... He may be hearing, but he's not, he's not believing. Some, frankly, are, are proud, and they think they know better, and so as a result, they're, they're, just, they're, they're not going to hear, and unfortunately, they're, they're not going to learn. One of the most powerful verses in the Bible, if, if you were to take a poke at one of the most powerful verses in the Bible, at least to the Jew, what, do you, what verse do you think that is? In fact, they asked Jesus, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment of all? And what did Jesus answer in response to that? The greatest commandment of all, they asked him. The wise man. What is the greatest commandment of all? I hear it somewhere. Hear, O Israel. That is, where is that found in the Bible? Deuteronomy 6 and chapter, chapter 6, verse number 4. Deuteronomy 6 and 4. And it is called the what? It's called the Shema. It's Hebrew. Shema Israel Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The Lord is Echad. He is one. That, that phrase, Jesus said, was the most powerful commandment in the history of the world. Every Jew, when he gets up in the morning, that's what he's quoting. Shema. When he goes to bed at night, it's Shema. They have a mezuzah. They have a tefillim, they have a little box on the door that has that scripture rolled up, and when they, they walk out the door, they put their finger, they touch that scroll to remind them it's all about this one true and living God. The last words that any Jewish man wants to hear is shma, 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 shma. Well, what in the world does shma mean? The shma. In Hebrew, what does shma mean? Got to help me out, class. Hear, Shema Israel, hear Israel. Because God was getting ready to tell them the most powerful truth and the powerful revelation in the history of the world. There's only one God. There's not five gods. There's not ten gods. There's not a hundred gods. There's not multiple persons in God. There's one God. The problem is God knew that before I give this revelation, there's got to be a Shema. 
Somebody's got to hear because if you get the revelation of the century and your ears are closed, it's not going to do any good. Shema, hear. Proverb writer said it like this in chapter 1 and 5. He said, one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, a wise man will hear. A wise man will do what? And what happens when he hears? He will increase learning. How do I increase learning? I increase learning by listening. A wise man will hear and will increase learning. A man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. A a man of understanding is going to have advisors in life, people that they can go to maybe with different specialties or fortes in certain areas that can help them. And you can know a lot in one area, but it doesn't mean that what you know in one area always transfers to other areas. You may have an IQ that's through the roof, but it doesn't mean that you know how to work on a car engine. You can own a corporation. I'm a pastor in town. I, I know this book. I've given my life to this book. But when I walk into uh, you know, a local auto shop, I don't go in there with a swagger and tell the guy, well, you're going to do this to my car, and I'll tell you what you need to do here. You know why? Because that's outside of my area of specialty. So what, if I'm a wise man, I'm first of all going to hear, I'm going to listen, and then I'm going to have people in my life that are advisors in the area of their specialty. And the Word of God says that that person that has advisors is going to be a person of understanding. That means I need people that know things in areas that I don't know. I have a health advisor. Her name's Dr. Patty Carlin Jansen. She's a wonderful doctor. She has helped us out throughout the years so many different times. I've got a doctrinal advisor in my life. I have somebody that, when it comes to deep doctrinal issues, this is a person that has studied in the Word of God I can go to, and they know a lot about this area. I've, I've, got, a, I've got a duck hunting guru in my life that I have access to that knows a whole lot about duck hunting that I don't know. What does that mean? But, but I've, got to, I've got to listen, and I've got to hear what they're saying, if I'm going to grow in that area of life, i got to have a teachable attitude where I'm seeking out people who can provide valuable input into my life, which is why in the book of Proverbs, which is the book of wisdom, at least nine times it says over and over again, hear, listen, listen up. Because my ability to learn is connected and predicated upon my ability to listen. Revelation, uh, I'm going to give you seven scriptures here. We're not going to read all of them, but maybe we can go to Revelation 2 and 7. But the same concept is reiterated seven different times in verse 7, verse 11, verse 17, verse 29, chapter 3 and 6, verse 13, and verse 22. And it's said seven times because it's spoken to seven different churches. And notice what it says. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. You know, I got good news today. Thank God the Lord is still talking. Thank God the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God, is still at work and God is still speaking. There is not a problem of God speaking. The real challenge in the world is people listening to what God's saying. That's why he's saying, he that hath an ear, let him hear. He that hath an ear. So I have my illustration here. Look, somebody brought this up to me today. Okay, we're going to count together. This is going to be a dynamic and powerful revelatory lesson. Are you ready? We're going to count, okay? What do we got here? We got an ear. Okay, count. Ready? Okay. Okay, so let's do it again. Okay, are you ready? Now, this is a mouth. One. So there's one mouth and one two ears. 
One mouth, two ears. What's the powerful lesson? I should probably listen twice as much as I speak. And that makes Brandy a wise girl. Okay, we'll move on from there. <laughs> you just couldn't talk to him. That was the problem. What a hard head. And unfortunately, he's fixing to make the mistake of his life. It's not that he isn't receiving good input. In fact, he's surrounded with good, loyal, wise people. He's a man of great success himself, and he has employees that literally are coming up to him, and they are lobbying to help him, not to hurt him, but to help him not make what the Bible is going to show is the greatest mistake of his entire life. People are trying to talk to him. Not only that, he's, he's fortunately, thank God, he's got a good wife. And a good wife is a great blessing, and all the men ought to say amen. And all the wise men ought to really say amen. I know if you've got a good wife, you want to listen to her. He's got a good wife. She's a Proverbs 31 wife, and, and, and she is approaching to him. And everybody in his circle of influence, they're trying to reason with him. They're trying to, to talk with him. Unfortunately, we read, and thank you, Brother Tim Schultz, for reading that very lengthy reading. There was a point to it. It was a long one. He shows up in the Bible. His name is Nabal. And his name is fixing to go down in infamy for the emblazoned on the pages of Scripture throughout the history of the world. His name, literally, unfortunately, his name, Nabal, means foolish. The testimony of him was that he was, a, he was a foolish man. My brother-in-law, if he were here, he would say it like this. He was a stupid head. He's a stupid head. Nabal was a stupid head. He was powerful. He was rich. He was a business owner. He had a lot going for him. He owned thousands of sheep and thousands of cattle, but poor guy was a stupid head. Dumb as a box of rocks. Evidently, he had enough to become a success at life or at least in, in business, but not enough to be a success in relationships in life. The Bible says of the testimony of Nabal that he was a, 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 a churlish man. Churlish man, what does that mean? It means he was obstinate. He was stubborn. He was harsh. He was surly. He was difficult. He, he was stubborn. He was a hard-hearted man. And the Bible, unfortunately, doesn't tell us how he became this kind of a man. It just says that's just what he was. He was obnoxious, hard. He was a harsh, stubborn man. And who knows how life uh, dealt him a series of blows, maybe. But at some point in his life, Nabal made up his mind. I ain't listening to nobody. I will receive the counsel of one. Cynical and jaded, resistant and slow, recalcitrant uncooperative and his name is going to go down in history he was a big man on campus the man was very great 25 and 2 says he had 3,000 sheep and a thousand goats and watch out we all ought to be careful when we are successful because sometimes when pride enters in hearing dims very low we find in this story in Samuel 25 that David, out of the goodness of his heart, he shows up and he shows up uh, around this man's many flocks and herds and he shows up there 
in the wilderness, and David, the good man that he was, good men do good things, amen? And he's there to do a good thing. He provides literally free security to Nabal's enterprise, and he shows up there and his men, and they, they protect Nabal's sheep, and evidently, obviously with that degree of uh, available money that was there, thieves were there, but literally the Bible says that he was a wall unto Nabal's sheep and his, and his herds, and he was there, and he was doing a good thing. He was he was offering service to Nabal's great enterprise. Verse 15 says it like this, But the men were very good unto us, and we were not hurt, neither missed we anything, as long as we were conversant with them when we were in the fields. They were a wall unto us both by night and day, all the while we were with them, keeping the sheep. David's doing a good thing. He's protecting the sheep. And all that he has, he sends his men to Nabal. And it's almost like we need that key of E. Should have been well received, should have been, you know, good news. He was there just letting him know I'm a friend to you and can you somehow or another be a blessing to my men? Can you give us some, some food and, 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 and take care of us? And, and notice what Nabal's response as a result of his own character. He says in verse number 10, New Living Translation says, Who is this fellow David? Nabal sneered to the young men. Who does this son of Jesse think he is? There are lots of servants these days who run away from their master. Should I take my bread? And my water and my meat that I've slaughtered for my shear, a lot of my's in there, for my shears and give it to a band of outlaws who comes from who knows where, who does this punk think he is, take my stuff and give it to him. And Nabal, character, rises to the surface. And one of the young men, verse 14, told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, Behold, David sent messengers out of the wilderness to salute our master, and he railed him. He railed him. And he's just, he's just going off. He's just not listening, not listening. And here David is just being a good man. So all of his co-workers are trying to, on his behalf and benefit, knowing that he's fixing to make the mistake of his life. And the crowning characteristic that ensured Nabal's ultimate demise and destru destruction is found in verse 17. It says, Now therefore know and consider what thou wilt, for evil is determined against our master and against all his household. Notice what it says of Nabal. For he is such a son of Belial. He's a wicked man. He's an evil man. Notice, the testimony of Nabal was that a man cannot speak to him. Nobody can tell him nothing. I had another exciting message I was going to preach. But I feel like this is important for right now. A man cannot speak to him. And it was the testimony of a man who had stopped his ears to any kind of input. The good people that are around him are trying to help him. The workers come to him. Loyal workers trying to help him. He's got a good wife that comes to him and tries to share with him. But he's got a hard heart, which becomes a hard head. And he's hard-headed like concrete. And you can't tell Nabal anything. And verse number 37 says, It came to pass in the morning when the wine was gone out of Nabal, his wife had told him these things, that his heart died within him and he became as a stone. And it came to pass after ten days. Notice that the Lord smote Nabal that he died. What a terrible story. My goodness, are you depressed yet? It's a terrible story, though, but the Bible gives us lessons that are indicative of principles that can help us to live the kind of lives that God wants us to live. 
Because uniquely and unfortunately for Nabal, this was avoidable. This was all avoidable. He didn't have to die as a fool dies. He didn't have to go down in infamy as an example of a hard-hearted man. He could have at that point with all these good people that were around him. And I think every one of us ought to thank God that God is so good that in his mercy and in his kindness, he surrounds our life with good people in our lives. Good counsel in our lives, people that care about us, people that love us, people that are loyal to us, people that want to help us to become better, people that want us to be everything that God wants us to be, that want us to be successful, that that by times will step into our lives and sometimes give us input that we don't always want to hear. But, oh, thank God that we've got people in our life that are courageous enough and caring enough uh, that they come into our lives sharing good things to us. Uh, and what I would say this morning is that if we're wise people, we're going to take our ears and we'll open up our ears uh, and say, thank God for good advice. Uh, thank God for truth. Uh, thank God for truth when it comes into my life because it's one of the greatest acts of God's mercy that God comes into our life to talk to us uh, and share with us and help us to become everything God wants us to become. But notice he uses the vehicle of speech. If we will. But listen. I'm preaching to me as much as I'm preaching to anybody. You ever talk with people and you know they're not listening? And men, we got to really work on this. Confession is good for the soul. I don't know how many times, you know, and, and if you're really good at it, you can, listen, you can act like you're listening while you're game planning something else that's going on. Your mind is, be quiet over there, your mind is in a completely different place. <laughs> and you're distracted. You don't even realize you're distracted. You're, you're just, you know what I mean? And the machinations of your, of your mind, and you're just thinking about this. And, and, but you're looking at them, but, you, but they can tell you got that vacant look in your eyes. <laughs> you're not, and you've got good enough that you can nod and act like you're listening. But if they were to ask you what they were saying, there is absolutely no way in creation if your life and a million dollars were resting upon it that you could respond to what it was that they were actually saying. If you ever talk with someone, you're talking, and sometimes this is the way human nature works. Sometimes we're talking, and we're not really listening. We've, we're just preparing our response to what's being said. We really haven't heard what's said, but we're just preparing our response. Or how about when you're talking with someone, and while you're talking to them, they finish your sentence? They're like, and maybe that's, that's good listening. That could be good listening, that they're like an active listener. You ever talk to somebody, and they, they finish your sentence? You're like, no, that's not at all what I was going to say. You just took that, no, that's, it wasn't the direction I was heading with that. Maybe that's active listening. I'm just, what are you saying? I'm saying that listening could be one of the greatest traits that any one of us could ever develop in our lives, the ability to actively and accurately listen, to be a good listener. In fact, I would say today that probably the primary way of all learning I know we got video, we got YouTube, we got variety of, of different venues that are available. We have books, we have all these different things. But if you go on YouTube and you cut the volume out, DeAndre, probably, I mean, unless you read lips really good, you're probably not going to learn anything from that YouTube. We have video, but it's, it's dependent upon speech. 
I would say that almost the only way to learn, at least the primary way to learn, is through listening. And let me say it like this. If you consider history, that the majority of people throughout the history of the world were illiterate. The majority of people could not read. And even the people that could read, books were so scarce and they were so rare up until maybe 400 years ago, 500 years ago, that you couldn't purchase a book. You didn't even have a book. So books were hand-scribed out. Each book was worth a massive amount of money. Even early America, even early America, I mean, if you were a cowboy and you had one, you had one book in your bag, you, you were rich. Books were not, I mean, now we, in, in the context of today, we don't even think about it. You can go on Amazon.com and you can order a library with hundreds or thousands of books. You have access to YouTube. But the truth of the matter is, throughout the majority of the history of the world, there were no books. The only way that you could learn primarily is someone teaching and you and I listening. So being a good listener is critical to my growth. Not only that, being a good listener will save me a whole bunch of stuff. So true. So how do I be a good listener? How do I, so if listening is so important, Nabal, you couldn't talk to him. He didn't listen. How do you, how do you be a good listener? I'm going to share a few points this morning that will help us to be a good listener. Number one point is embrace humility. You say, why is humility important when it comes to listening? Because if I think that I know everything, then learning ends. Right? How many in this place love to learn? I hope we have a, we have a church full of learners. Oh, God, help us to be learners. This never stops. Do you have goals this year? 2021, hello, congregation. Do we have goals for 2021? Books to read, concepts to learn. Grow, grow, grow. But embrace humility. Embrace humility. I don't want to be a know-it-all. I want to be a learn-it-all. A know-it-all knows everything. A learn-it-all knows he doesn't know everything but wants to learn as much as he can learn and he positions himself as a learner and says you know what I may not know anything about this but you know what I'm going to learn I'm going to find people I just I've developed a friendship with a man in Deer River and I met him uh, through marketplace we could preach about marketplace this morning it's rather addictive and I met him he was selling decoys and that's my newest fad that I'm in for the next probably few months so, and I'm learning and, and uh, what have you. And so I connect with this guy and come to find out, I connected with him through Messenger and then he said, why don't you just text me? And so almost every day for the past two months, uh, my friend and I have texted back and forth, got to know him. He's, he's, he's a great guy. He is, uh, he's been a duck hunter for like 65 years. He ran a duck hunting camp. He is, he is like Phil Robertson. Um, he, he's, he's the duck hunting, duck hunting man. I've never met him in person, but, man, we've shared back and forth, and I'm painting decoys, and he's walking me through it. And, you know, I've learned so much from my new friend. And because he, was, he is a specialist in an area that I'm not a specialist. So when I'm talking to Bill, I'm not telling Bill everything I know about duck hunting because I don't know squat really about duck hunting compared to his knowledge. So when I approach him, I don't want to be a know-it-all. Amen? I want to be a learn-it-all. But that takes humility. That takes humility. That means I don't always have to be in charge. 
I don't always have to be in control. I don't always have to have the floor. I don't always have to be steering and guiding in conversation. Am I making any sense? You ever been in a conversation with someone where you feel like you're being maneuvered? <laughs> Strongest and wisest among us, help us to be listeners. Help us to be taking it in. Number one, embrace humility. Number two, speak less, listen more. Remember? One, two, one. Two ears, one mouth. Some people are engaged as long as they're talking. But as soon as they're done talking, not interested. I'm in my phone. Speak less, listen more. Seek out advice. If, if you're talking with someone and, and they're saying stuff you don't understand, one of the best things you can do is say, wait a second, what, can you help me to understand? Help me to understand. Or I go, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Right on. I got you. I'm, yeah, I understand. Speak less, listen more. My next point is slow down, focus, and process. Stop long enough to listen. Our culture is so fast. Everything moves so fast. We have instant messenger. Communication has moved so quickly nowadays that if someone sends us a text and we don't respond to that text in three and a half minutes, sometimes the person on the other side of that text is worried that something is wrong. Did I say it wrong? I got to look. What did I say? How did I say that? Did I word something wrong? Did auto text drop something in there that I didn't know about? They didn't get back to me in five minutes. Unbelievable. Because we're used to such instant communication. By the way, as I pass by this way, I try to respond to all emails and texts, but I have a 24-hour rule. Sometimes I'm not able to get back to it immediately. But we don't have to worry like, oh, my goodness, what's wrong? But we're used to everything moving at such a fast pace. Everything's happening right now. If someone doesn't immediately text us back, what's, what in the world's going on? And sometimes in our conversations, we can kind of rush through things. You know what I mean? Rush through and finish a sentence. We don't even know where they were, they were heading. Notice what James 1 and 19 says. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. I've seen a lot of the opposite, swift to speak, slow to hear. He, what did he say? He said, swift to hear, slow to speak. What that means is I have to be intentional in my listening. What's this person really saying? Do you know that there are counselors that make buku money, 100 bucks an hour, 150 bucks an hour, and you go into them and they got all the signs on the wall proving their credentials, but you, you want to know a little secret? Those people that are making $100 or $150 an hour as a counselor, you know what they do about 80% of their time? They're just listening. They're paid to listen. Because a good counselor is just say, hey, this is what you need to do. I've been talking to you for two and a half minutes. I know your problem. I'm going to tell you right now. You need to boom, 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 and you're done. No, a good counselor is going to listen, and he's going to get to them and say, what's going on? Okay, what's Okay, what's going on? Family of origin issues. Where do you come from? What's this about? Talk to me a little bit. Shit. Help me with where, where you're at. And, he, and he's taking it all in, or she is taking it all in. And then they're offering advice after they have listened very, 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 very well. My next point is defer to age and experience. Now, age is not always connected with wisdom because there are exceptions to every rule. But overall, people that have lived longer we can learn a lot from and observe. A 12th grader knows more than a 5th grader. Amen? That's why I thank God in our church that we have elders. 
We, have a, we are a multi-generational church. I thank God for that. Rich is the church that has gray hairs. Rich is it because what, that, what, what does that mean? It doesn't mean necessarily IQ-wise that there's, there's greater intelligence. But man, if you've lived 20, 50, 60, 70, 80 years, you've learned some things over life. And what a blessing we have when we can look across the congregation and a young married couple can go to a successful old married couple and receive wisdom in life because they've done it well. They've raised children. God's blessed them. And you see the hand of the Lord upon their life. And we thank God that we have that represented in our church, that there are those that are ahead of us in the game that have gone through some of the struggles and some of the trials, uh, and they've succeeded through that. And we have the benefit in our life and the blessing in our life to be able to learn from their age and from their experience. Their experience. We learn from experience. There are people that have specialties outside of our area of specialty. I mentioned the auto mechanic. I mean, you, you, you may know how to play chess like a, like a genius, but it doesn't mean you know how to tear apart an engine. So we have people in our lives that have experience in, in certain areas, and we, we thank the Lord for that. That's how we learn. We learn. We learn by listening. So the same woman that goes to Nabal, and he's like, dumb wife, she doesn't have a clue. I'm not listening to what she has to say. Didn't listen to anything she had to say. Ends up dropping dead. Ten days later, the Lord, man, you don't want the Lord knocking you out. But this same woman that spoke to Nabal words that would have saved his life, this same woman goes to a different man and starts talking to him. Now, he's a different breed of man. He's a godly man. He's a strong man, but he's a listener. So she approaches David, and notice how she begins to talk to David. She begins to reason with David, verse number 30 of Samuel 25. And it shall come to pass when the Lord shall have done to my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning me. And shall have appointed thee ruler over Israel, that this shall be no grief unto thee, nor offense of heart unto my Lord, either that thou hast shed blood causeless, or that my Lord hath avenged himself. But when the Lord shall have dealt well with my Lord, then remember thine handmaid. And Abigail, same woman, goes to a different man and says, David, you don't want to do this. David, you're hot-headed right now, and yes, you've been disrespected, and you'd like to just take vengeance on Nabal, but David, you don't want to do that because, David, you've been anointed. You've been appointed. David, you're different than that. God's put something onto your life. You're a special man with a special future, David. And, David, you don't want to do that. You don't want to make a mistake that you're going to look back on the rest of your life. And she begins to reason with David. And wouldn't you know, same woman speaks to a different man. Her husband doesn't listen to her, but thank God, a good godly man, David. A good godly man is wise enough to say, I'm going to open my ears because it doesn't matter who I hear it from as long as it's the truth. If it's there to help me and it's there to be a blessing unto me, then my ears are wide open. And she begins to reason with him and speak into his spirit, his own future and the vision of what God's going to do to him. And yet David is a different kind of a man than Nabal was. Because the testimony of the scripture about Nabal was a man cannot speak to him. But the testimony of David was that a man can speak to David. You can talk to David. David, you can reason with. David, you can reason with. 
Verse 32, David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, which hath sent thee this day to meet me. And blessed, notice what he says, be thy advice. And blessed be thou, which has kept me this day from coming to shed blood and from avenging myself with mine own hand. For in very deed is the Lord God of Israel liveth, which hath kept me back from hurting thee, except thou hast hasted and come to meet me. Surely there had not been left unto Nabal by the morning light any that pisseth against the wall. So David received of her hand that which she brought him and said unto her, Go up in peace to thine house. See, I have hearkened to thy voice and have accepted thy person. 21st century America, and we thank God for it. We thank God the amount of rights that ladies have in America today, the right to vote. But I'll tell you, back in Bible days, women were treated very disrespectfully. They were like property. They were like chattel. And yet David says, you know what? This woman's telling me the truth. And if somebody's telling me the truth, I'm all ears. You know why? Because when truth's spoken, it doesn't matter who's speaking it. It just matters that it's the truth. If I'm a person that will listen. Final point that I'll make is that listening connects. I would say the majority of people and again, back to the counselor. The counselor realizes that if a person can somehow just open their heart and dump out whatever it is they're dealing with, that they feel valued and validated if someone will just simply listen to them. In fact, your closest friends in life, the closest relationships in life are the people that value you. And I would say the greatest way to be valued is when someone values enough to listen and acknowledge what you're saying. How many marriages are saved when husbands and wives listen to each other? This is very interesting because communication and listening connects people heart to heart. Notice verse 39. When David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Blessed be the Lord. <laughs> I'm going to read that again. When David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, blessed be the Lord. Thank God. <laughs> I didn't have to take care of him. God took care of this. I'm telling you what, there are some things in life you don't have to put your hands on. You let God take care of it. Some battles you can fight and say, I'm going to fix this, and you get your hands all over it, you're going to mess it up. Some things in life you give it to God. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. God said, I'll take care of it. When David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Blessed be the Lord, that I pleased the, pleaded the cause of my reproach from the hand of Nabal, and hath kept his servant from evil. For the Lord hath returned the wickedness of Nabal upon his head. And David sent and communed with Abigail to take her to be his wife. That's right. You read it right. That's what it said. And when the servants of David were come to Nab Abigail to Carmel, they spake unto her, saying, David sent us unto thee to take thee to him to wife. Abigail become, became David's wife. Why? He listened to her. And he spent the rest of his life listening to her. So my question as we close today, musicians, you can come. Will you be a Nabal? Or will you be a David? I don't know about you, 
God help me. I want to be a David. I want to be a David. I want to be a David. What does that mean? When I'm a David, I'm saying, speak to me, Lord. Speak to me, Lord. Even if it hurts, speak to me. I'm okay with that. Speak to me, Lord. And I know, I mean, we're in a Christian context right now, and I, I realize most all of us are saying, God, talk to me. God, talk to me. I want you to speak to me, Lord. And the Lord does speak to us. Thank God that His Spirit, His Spirit will come in a prayer meeting. Come on. His Word will come while you're studying the Word of God. And we want God to speak to us. Don't miss what I'm saying. But you need to realize that one of the ways that God is going to speak to you, probably the majority way that God is going to speak to you, is He's going to use another person, another person, a brother in Christ, a sister in Christ, a spouse, a friend that's in the church. It might be your husband. It might be your wife. It might be a teacher, a Sunday school teacher, a youth pastor, somebody that cares enough to come into your life. And I don't know about you, I don't want to be a Nabal. What are you talking about? I ain't listen to what you have to say. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do my I don't want to be a Nabal. I want to be a David. I want to be a person that you can talk to. Okay? And here's the thing. Human nature, we're resistant sometimes. No, I don't want to hear that. What I would, what I would, uh, what I would say is that if you're hearing things that you don't like, put your guard down and say, you know, okay, I'm going to hear that out. I'm going to hear that out. And I'm going to be willing, because if you shut it off, you, you, you can't even hear it. And there, there are times when I work with people at times, I'll, I'll send a letter or I'll send something and say, I don't want you to respond to me. In fact, you don't have to talk to me at all. All I want you to do is take what I'm, I'm giving you here. I want you to take it. And I want you to take it to God in prayer. And I want you to talk to the Lord about it. That's the difference between a Nabal and a David. Because a David will open up his heart and say, okay. I may not like what I'm hearing, but oh, thank God that the Lord loves us enough that he talks to us. So the Lord help us to be good listeners. Jesus, thank you so much today. Thank you, Lord, for the wonderful word of God, the presence of God. Thank you, Lord, that you love us, you care about us. We're on a wild journey in life, Lord, that's going to bring us to a final end destination. And how many times do we zig, we zag, Lord, in finding the direction for our life? You said the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. And that's what we genuinely want in our lives. I pray for this wonderful, great church. Help us, God, to be good listeners. There's one desire I have, God, for your people. Help us to grow. Help us to learn. Help us to become. And help us to follow the will of God for our lives. And help us to be good listeners. In Jesus' name.